1: We are joined by Guardians manager, Stephen Vogt. Welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thank you guys for having me. It's really exciting to be on with you.
1: Well, it's we're very excited to, to have you here. I know I got to start with a question. I'm sorry. I know you get this asked all the time. It's the thing everybody in Cleveland is thinking about. How do we handle Valentine's Day this year with camp starting on such a hallowed day?
0: <laughs> well, it's you know, it's tough because... You know, the way I look at it is Valentine's Day means it's baseball season. You know, my wife, Alyssa, and I, I don't think we've celebrated Valentine's Day together in over 10 years. So, for us, it's more of a, hey, spring training's kicking off, so now we go.
2: Where are you going to watch the eclipse on opening day?
0: Probably, well, hopefully from the field. I mean, it's going to be close to game time, so I might get out there with my glasses, you know, safety glasses, and take a look. I mean, we should have a pretty good view from where we're at. So I'm excited about that.
1: So one of the big things happening here is obviously this is your first uh, first spring training as a manager. As you get the guys together, I know I know we're you know still uh, we're still getting settling in and everything. But what's your message to this team as you embark on your first special teams? Or sorry, sp- <laughs> spring training as a manager.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest message is for the guys to go out and be themselves. You know, I think one of the big messages has been focus on what you're great at while improving your weaknesses and i think too many times we focus on what we're maybe not quite as good at and you know we lose sight of what makes us great and so the biggest part for me too is all of these guys are getting a fresh start they're getting a fresh set of eyes a clean slate go out and show us what you can do and let's be the best we can be
2: what's the difference uh for you now uh that you're actually running spring training versus uh when you were a player and how much more do you love it now that you're in charge and you don't have to be out there doing the drills?
0: Oh, I watched the catchers doing blocking drills today and I was like, oh my goodness, I'm so glad I don't have to do those anymore. <laughs> um, just watching what these guys put their bodies through. But, you know, it's been really weird for two days. So my whole career what playing and then last year as a coach is my name was on the schedule. I knew where I had to be and when. And now I just kind of float and watch what I want to watch. So it's been I kind of feel like a lost puppy sometimes because no one's telling me where to go and what to do. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I get to choose what I get to go look at. So um, that's been a little bit of adjustment for me. But what's awesome is, you know, our coaching staff and our support staff worked incredibly hard to put together a great spring training plan for our players. And everything's working really smoothly. The guys are engaged. There's a lot of energy, a lot of excitement around camp, and um, everything's just going great these first few days.
1: When you walk into that room and you're talking to guys, do you do you feel the need right now to prove yourself as a manager?
0: No, not at all. You know, I think for me right now, I'm just trying to relate to the guys, have them get to know me, me to get to know them. Um, you know, that's one of the biggest things for me. I, I don't want to change who I am just because of the job I'm in. You know, I've always been a, a teammate, a connector, and somebody who just loves the people I get to work with. I love going to work every day. You know, I, I really do, and. Every time I walk through the doors, I'm smiling, and it's just really fun to see these guys working so hard.
2: You've got some really good young arms uh, in this rotation. Uh, you know, Tristan McKenzie's obviously coming back from injury, but show us so, so your ace, uh, Shane Bieber. If he's able to, you know, be healthy and and bounce back, uh, how does that change what this rotation might be capable of?
0: I mean, you can't speak enough to what Shane Bieber has accomplished in his career and the type of pitcher that he is, and he worked. He worked extremely hard this winter um, to make a few adjustments and, and get back to the form that he feels is best for him. Um, he looks great. You know, I watched his bullpen yesterday. It's sharp. He's, he's got great command. The stuff is moving really, really well. He's got a clean delivery. So, um, obviously, we know how good Shane Bieber can be, and Cleveland fans know better than I do how good he can be. But um, this is a guy, he's, a, he's an ace. He's a top-of-the-league starter, and uh, he, he couldn't look better right now.
1: Steven Vogt, Guardians manager on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. Do you anticipate an innings cap on your younger guys like Bybee and such?
0: You know, I don't know if we're going to put a hard innings cap on them. Obviously we're going to monitor their workload like you would with any young starter. Um, But we have no intention right now. Um, We're going to be really thoughtful and mindful of how we build them up and what their workload ends up being over this course of the season. And the beauty of it is we have a tremendous medical staff and, Carl Willis at the helm of the pitching. And so they have a lot more experience in that area than I do. And um, it's going to be a, it's going to be really, really, you know, not, I'm not going to use the word cautious cause that's, that's not the right word. It's we're going to be really thoughtful of where they're at and talk with them and work with them to see how they're feeling on any given day, but absolutely no innings cap. Um, you know, these are, these guys, these guys went out and had great years last year and we, we're excited to see what they're going to do again this year.
2: Stephen Vogt, Guardians manager joining us. Um, as a former catcher, how excited are you to to work with a young guy, uh, Bo Naylor behind the plate? Uh, you know, what's his playing time look uh this year and what do you think the outlook is for his, I guess, I don't know, a extended sophomore season. I guess we can call him a rookie last year, but you know, coming back uh with his, you know, first full spring spring training and being on the uh the big league roster coming out of camp.
0: I'm, it's really pumped up for him. Um, anytime you're going into your first full season, you know, catching a full season is a different beast. Um, you know, and we obviously expect Bo to get significant playing time behind the plate. And what I'm most excited about is Bo Naylor is going to go into his first full season with Austin Hedges as his partner, and Sandy Alomar Jr. and our new bench coach Craig Albernaz and myself. He's going to be surrounded by catching people. He's going to be supported in ways that. Not too many other people in the league are. And, you know, I, the sky's the limit for this kid. You just talk to Bo for five minutes and you get you get excited, you get hungry, and you just want to go out on the field and watch him catch. And so um, with those people surrounding him and with his ability, most importantly, um, and the person that he is, it's got it's a recipe to be a phenomenal catcher for a really, really long time in this league.
1: It's no longer feasible for guys to catch 130 uh, times a year. We, we know what happens to guys over their career. So assuming he's somewhere in the 80 to 100, maybe a little bit more range in the days he's not catching. Could we see him in the lineup in other ways like DHing things like that to get that bat in the lineup?
0: Hey, if you're hot, you're hot. You know what I mean? So if uh you know, we're we're just going to low eight and see what happens. You know, we don't have any any immediate plans for playing time breakdowns of anyone really yet and you know, but we're going to take it we're going to take it as we go and 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 Bo, is going to have an opportunity to get to play a lot. And obviously, if he goes out and plays the way he's capable of, we're going to look for ways to get his bat in the lineup more often. That goes for the rest of our roster.
2: How married are you to the uh, notion of uh, Stephen Kwan being your leadoff hitter?
0: Uh, you know, uh, again, that's another question. I mean, I love him in the leadoff spot. He was a pain in the backside from the other side out of the one hole. So, you know, I, I think, again, we're, we're constantly evaluating where our guys are doing and, and how we could best structure our lineup to give us the chance to score the most runs. So open to just about anything, but, you know, obviously he's a great leadoff hitter and, and does a great job getting the, getting the line moving.
1: So uh, also in the outfield and contending for a spot is Ramon Laureano, your old teammate, uh, er, er, sorry. Yeah. Your old teammate in uh, Oakland. I'm curious, like I, I thought he was kind of refreshed when he came last year. Like I think you look at his numbers in the second half of Cleveland, there were some, there were some really good at bats there, What does he need to do, though, to get back to being the guy you saw firsthand in 2019 where he looked like one of the best center fielders in baseball?
0: He just needs to be himself. You know, I talked to Ramon, and he was one of the first players uh, that I called. Um, Once I got the news, I was coming to Cleveland and, you know, just chatted with him and just told him, look, this is your first full season in a new place, and I'm just pumped to see you go out and be yourself and, and show us what you're capable of because we've all seen Ramon at an elite level and this is a player that has a lot left in the tank you know he just turned 30 that's that's got plenty of time to to be you know to be one of the best players in the league and i think ramon has that skill set and he has the ability and it's just a matter of you know he looks great um he put a lot of hard work in on his body this this off season, and i i, I couldn't be more excited about what what ramon could do for us this year
2: when you look at your starting nine this year um you know very similar to uh, what was on the field uh, last year, um, just where's the ceiling for them?
0: Offensively, I think there. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there is a ceiling. You're talking about a, you know, a core that's very young, and power typically comes with age. And so these guys are working really hard. And and Chris Valaika and the hitting group have been, you know, messaging, hey, we want to impact the ball more. You know, we want you to take some chances in those counts where, you know, this might be where you get that pitch to drive. We want you to drive it and. You know, the ball's flying around the fields right now in Goodyear. Um, guys are crushing baseballs and BP and off machines. And we, we really feel good about our group. And And, you know, as these guys start to get older, you learn how to hit the ball harder. You learn what pitches you can drive and what you can't drive and when to take chances. And those are things that we are actively teaching them and showing them, hey, this is where you need to look. This is where we want to look in order to drive the ball. And I think too many times, you know, we, we put these expectations on guys when they really haven't gotten their learning yet. But our guys are hungry, they look good, and we feel really good about where our offense has a chance to go this year.
1: Steven Vogt, Guardians manager on the North Olmstead Chrysler, Jeep Dodge Ram. So you know you've got a guy like Gabe Arias last year who I think was a little unsettled at points about moving he was in the right field, he's at third, he's at shortstop and, and I'm using him kind of as 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 kind of a call to all players like him how important is it that a young guy who, who's maybe struggled while moving around positions like that, like Gabe, get a chance to stick at one position? How important is that for him to get a fair shake at just trying to develop into the hitter he can be?
0: Well, I, I think that's it's it's more so the the celebrating the versatility that he can do and celebrating the athlete that he is you know, playing multiple positions at the major league level is not easy for anyone to do. And Gabby has the opportunity and the athleticism to do that. And so, but teaching, how do you separate your offense from your defense, no matter where you're playing in the field, no matter what glove you have on your hand, that shouldn't change the at bat that you have. And so messaging that to him and and to the other guys that are going to bounce around, you know, we have multiple guys that have the versatility to go from the outfield to the infield and, and play in multiple spots. And so for us, it's, it's just messaging to them that no matter where you are on defense, it doesn't affect your offense whatsoever. And I think too many times we put too much stock into things like that. And so that's the message we're sending to our guys is, look, you have versatility. That's more ways to get your bat in the lineup. And so really spinning it in that way, where if you hit, we're gonna find a place on the field to play, and you have like four or five spots you can. So I think, that, you know, rather than focusing on one position you know we want to celebrate our, our players versatility and give them those opportunities
2: if i were to make you commissioner because baseball in the recent years is they've actually made some changes to the game the pitch clock eliminating the shift that so if i were to make steven vogue commissioner of major league baseball for a day what would you change
0: oh well, i mean how long how many things can i change no i'm just as many kidding. as hey, you <laughs> <laughs> i want last year's uniforms back that's for sure um <laughs> But no, I think honestly, our game is always evolving. Um, whether I agree with the changes or not really isn't up to me. You know, it's it's one of those things. I, I'm pretty old school, and I don't like clocks being anywhere in the in the stadium. Um, I think you know baseball is baseball, and you know, but we we've had to adapt. And I like the game times. I just wish we could do it without the pitch clock. How's that?
1: I like that. I will say, I love the honesty that it feels like we're getting here. So, you know, is the stole is the solar eclipse stealing your thunder, scheduling itself on the same day as your home debut as Guardians manager?
0: Go. You know, I think the I think the cosmos has a little more power than I do. So we'll uh we'll just let that kind of take care of itself. But I mean it's gonna be a great weekend in Cleveland, are you kidding me? Women's final four, you know, eclipse and then opening day. There's nothing better than opening day and Um, You know, it's just going to be a great weekend, week-long events going on in Cleveland, and I cannot wait to get there um, with hopefully a very good record coming off the road and uh, get started. It's going to be a really fun season.
1: I'm thinking the headline here. Steven Vogt says Cosmos won't ruin his big moment. What do you think about that as a headline (laughs) for this? Is that that, that accurate?
0: Shout out. Shout out to Carl Sagan in the Cosmos. Here
1: we go. <laughs> uh, hey, seriously, officially welcome to Cleveland. Welcome. Okay. Welcome to Arizona, which is a little bit warmer right now, but uh, we wish you luck here on your first spring training. Can't wait till you and the boys are back in Cleveland here shortly.
0: All right. We really appreciate it. Thanks.
1: Thank you so much. Stephen. Vote there on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram hotline. I think you feel like you're getting kind of a straight shot here. When you hear Stephen vote uh, uh, talking, and I, I hope they, they make him available. Uh, um, Tito, there were some other things. He's a little bit older. had been playing the game for a long time. I, I hope we get a fair amount of Stephen vote throughout the year because you can tell like there's a hunger there. You can hear. I mean, you know, you can just hear how passionate some guys are, and kind of everything that he's passionate about. Ballplayers, and he's passionate about the game, and I think that is as important as. X's and O's or anything else.
2: The the fact that he hates the the pitch clocks is fantastic.
1: And the new unis. I I, I know I said that at the end of the last uh, segment. I wasn't it,
2: expecting that but shot anymore. He, like,
1: he was like, Can I bring back last year's uniforms? Uh it's it is laughable. If you guys haven't seen the new Nikes, uh the new Nike uh baseball uniforms, uh baseball players are incensed. And it's not just players. Uh everybody kind of agrees they're not good. And the funniest part about that is I I can't remember which major league player it was, but at least one player has gone directly to Nike, like to a big wig at Nike and been like, hey, you know these jerseys are trash. Like that's really funny. Like you got guys, nothing unites baseball players and baseball managers and executives. So the idea that it is it is the Nike shoddy uniforms for this year is really funny. And they they just
2: look cheap, too.
1: Like yep. that's the thing. Like, I mean, you're not going to be able to read Stephen Vogt's name from the uh, from the bleachers is what we're going to say.
2: I'm not saying they need to wear the wool uniforms from like the 1940s like they used to, but I mean, come on. Like having silk screen printed, even like the NBA jerseys these days mm-hmm. are pretty flimsy and, and cheap looking. They don't have the detail of the embroidery and things. And, and look, I understand part of the reason they're doing that is the, I guess, the technology of the fabric and it. You know, makes it more comfortable to sweat in, or whatever, makes you, you more
1: aerodynamic, or if, something. If you just say the technology has allowed us to do that, that's a great way of saying it's it it's cheap. Yes, but by the way, hockey jerseys never die. The basketball jerseys, football jerseys, MLB jerseys, cheap as hell. Hockey jerseys. You, I just bought a. a you a want jersey. those things layered well, well, yeah, but to the, keep you warm on the ice, you can throw one of the ones that you get it from New Era on, and you could hit this hit the uh, ice tomorrow if you wanted to. I thought you asked a good question about Bo Naylor because, and and I followed up on. All right, he's going to catch hundred and hundred twenty games this year. What do you do with the other forty games or sixty games? I just think it's. I if if Bo wasn't. Sorry, if the rest of the lineup wasn't as big of a question mark, I don't think I'd be as adamant about this. I just It's like Otani. Oh, you're not pitching today. You're going to be in the lineup the rest of the time. I think Bo is such a special hitter. He's got pop. I think he can be a run producer for you in the second half of the lineup. I know you don't want to wear the kid out, but, man, I think if you give him 100 games behind the plate – and another 40 at uh, at DH, I think that is a strong recipe. As As of right now, you don't really have a clear DH on the roster. His
2: response was pretty telling, though, right? Yeah. If you're hot, you're hot. Yep. Translation, if you're
1: hitting the ball, you'll be in the lineup. If yeah. you're not, I'm going to give you a night off. Well, and I think when it probably is going to get bunched up a little bit is if Manzardo makes the roster. Yeah. Because then Naylor kind of becomes your DH. And long term, I... Unless, unless Josh just kind of overhauls his body, I I think Naylor's a DH. I'm not fat shaming. You know, I'm not that kind of guy because I would have zero room to speak. I, I
2: was going to say but, you're the last person that should. I I'm the one that's supposed to be doing
1: that. But I think the the health side of things, he is just a bigger guy. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. He's not Daniel Vogelbach. He's not he's not immobile. But I do wonder sometimes if maybe that extra little bit. Maybe hampers his ability to stay healthy. That's an I don't know, but it's something that I've thought about because he's had sig- a couple significant. I mean, he, I think he's only played 140 or 150 games like once in his career, and I think it was last uh, no two years ago.
2: I'm a big Josh Naylor fan. He just yeah. I mean,
1: I just want to keep him healthy. That's all because yeah, he he's, is a dog. Like he's yeah, he's, he's, he's one of those
2: rare guys. Like oh, we need to hit a three home run homer yeah. here. I got. I got this, he's, and then he goes up and he hits the three-run
1: homer. You know like, who I, he is? He's he, a better player than this, but he's na- uh, Naylor. All right, sorry, he's Napoli. Yes, he yes he is. Josh. He's he uh, is yes, the, yeah. he's Naylor. He's one Josh of the Naylor's. <laughs> uh, but no, he's Napoli. Yeah, he's the guy that party just, at Napoli's baby. Uh, well, but Napoli was the guy. Like guys, it, you interviewed guys in that locker room that year. I interviewed guys in that locker room in 2016. And if you were interviewing a guy that was close to Napoli, they kind of looked over. Yeah. Like, if they were going to, if they were asked a question that you <laughs> yep. knew there, and, and some of that is fear, but some of that is just respect, respect and energy. Mike had an energy about him that was like, we're business. We're going to go out and play fun and we're going to play passionately. I think Naylor's that.
2: And, and you know what else they have uh, back? You know, not so much for on the field, but behind the scenes, Austin Hedges. Like, I just, I felt like there was a heartbeat missing from that clubhouse last year. Uh, good good guys but there there was just something that was like missing that was there the year before when they had that
1: magical unexpected run did cam gallagher make us respect austin hedges just a little bit more yes because i think there's a chance that that's what (laughs) that's exactly what happened. here's the thing we know that they're going to carry a a uh, a catcher that hits about a buck 70 right but at least with hedgy he might give you eight home runs or ten home runs in a year versus well, Cam Gallagher, who is a phenomenal signal caller, but good God, you'd be lucky if he hit a home run all year long. Or
2: was able to block a pitch in the dirt. Oh, <laughs> like,
1: God. I mean, don't bring I'm – now, I'm now having so, PTSD I, for I'm, Cam Gallagher.
2: Sorry. I just – you know. But, you know, Hedgie was able to – I don't want to use the word police the clubhouse because that's mm-hmm. the wrong word because he wasn't a traffic cop in the clubhouse. But he he was just a dude you could just hang out with and talk to about life and baseball and, you know, details of the game and and stuff. Like, I I do think that there is some inherent value uh, in that. And that was missing a little bit last year. And I think
1: at times it showed, Nick. I think what's interesting about what you're saying is one of the... I already mentioned Napoli. One of the unsung heroes of that 2016 team was a guy who didn't make it to the postseason, Juan Uribe. And I think, you know... I. When you're when you're a team that kind of has to play a specific way or has its limitations because you can't just go out and trade somebody, how you how you close the gap is by having a really close knit locker room that really works well together. And they had Brantley, who was I mean you know son of a baseball player, a hell of a human being, likable. You had Uribe, you had Napoli, and yes, you had young guys, but young guys who didn't know how to play yet, and those offset clowns like Bauer. Listen, you're not going to have 26 preachers. You're right. just not. You're not going to have 26 guys everybody wants to have a beer with, but you need about 13 of those yeah. to balance out the guys who are either neutral or the guys like, and honestly, young Mike Clevenger, a bit of a meathead.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and these guys are together for like six, seven months at a time. Yeah, And there's not many breaks between. I mean, it, they basically live together. So, um, you. you Clubhouse guys, I I know it's cliche and I know some fans roll their eyes at that stuff, but in the sport of baseball, where it's a grind, it is a marathon and not a sprint, you need good clubhouse guys and and Hedgie is one of the best in that regard.
1: You guys can now hear full clips of our local shows at 923thefan.com and on the Odyssey app. So now... You can have the option of listening to a specific chapter labeled by our producers or listen to an entire show. Download the free Odyssey app now and take the time to listen to the most sports talk here in Ohio, the most local sports talk here in Ohio. Uh, so we we do have the 5 at 5 coming up in about 30 minutes, but uh, we'll get back to the Stephen vote stuff later in the show. But I just want to play something. You know, it was a stressful year. We've, we've got so many topics on the Browns that divide us, Nick Chubb's future, how much do you pay him? Do you pay him? Could you see the Browns moving on from Deshaun? I mean, Deshaun is a walking landmine for Browns fans about expectations and about what he was uh, you know, suspended for and accused of and sued for, all this kind of stuff. Uh, even Kevin Stefanski somehow is still a lightning rod, and the guy's won two Coach of the Year honors in the NFL. So I want to play something that we can all get behind. Is objectively an awful take. And I, I was so surprised. I I somebody alerted us to the fact that Mike Tannenbaum, on ESPN former Jets uh GM, former Dolphins uh GM, that he had said something on GetUp about a hypothetical Deshaun Watson trade. All right? And so I'd already been alerted about it. But then I saw Mike Tannenbaum tweet about it, and then I saw him tweet the video of it. And I realized, this man does not realize how stupid this sounds. I've heard some really stupid stuff over the years,
2: and I covered Hugh Jackson for three and a half of those. That might take the cake.
1: Honestly, you know what this is as bad as? A.J. McCarron for a second and a third round pick.
2: Good. Thank- Tannenbaum's a former GM, right? Uh, well, for two teams?
1: Yeah. And a former NFL agent. Yeah.
2: Does he not know how the salary cap
1: works? Does I, he not know how Deshaun's contract works? He was fired twice. Okay. So it stands to reason he might actually not know. There's like, and the, I think one of the 10 years lasted within three years, which it's, it's really tough as a GM to get fired within three years. I, just, I, just saying.
2: I, I realize the salary cap can be a myth. Um, I, I don't know that the Browns can create $200 million in salary cap room just to make that trade.
1: So, there is, so you're, here's the problem. You're using logic to defend and to oh. defeat this guy. That's kind of what I try to do. I just... Well, no. What I mean is, you're actually not logic. You're using reality, right? Um, yes, I the, live in this world called reality. Well, okay, but welcome the, to p- it. The point is, Mike Tannenbaum clearly doesn't. Here to me is why it's just a foolish idea. One, he said, "Who says no?" Which is to me like the thing. Like I love to do that on social media. Jordan Zerm, Clevelander. I have I have occasionally sent bad trades to him. To to needle him a little bit, and then said, "Who says no, right?" It, and, and I do it in the Bob Wiley voice. Who says no?
0: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new
1: iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible
0: trade-in when you switch.
1: Oh, and then everyone says, we do. Yeah, well, but that's the point. When you say who says no, everybody knows you got no case. All right. If you're just saying who says no without any actual logical interpretation of why it would make sense for either side and you're not willing to defend it, you, sir, are simply just throwing out some, some shark bait as it were. So I think I don't, but here's the thing that troubles me. I don't think he knows it's dumb. Like I don't think he knows it's the dumbest thing that I've heard since AJ McCarron for a second and third round pick because he tweeted it, and then they tweeted it, and he retweeted it, and then he tweeted the details of the trades in like it, it, it with the teams tagged in it, on top of tweeting the video. I think he thinks this is like his Mona Lisa. Somebody needs to tell Mike how to take the L. Uh, well, I already taught Mac how to do that earlier this week, so. I mean, let's get Mike Tannenbaum on the phone here and I'll go ahead and teach him how to take an L. But no, I mean, I so here's what I can't figure out. Because you've mentioned the contract and people just I think the I think the salary cap is a myth to a point. Right. Where in, the, in Deshaun's wh- case, it's not a myth. Well, They're stuck. And to a point is quarterback contracts because of the amount of guaranteed money that they sling around at any given point.
2: And the Browns slung around some record-breaking guaranteed money.
1: Well, but I mean, honestly, once you get to what you pay Lamar, once you get to what you paid Deshaun, once you get to what you pay uh, Pat Mahomes, guys, it gets really uncomfortable. You you lose a lot of leverage because you're moving so much. That guaranteed money acts as a real restriction point on like every single year you try and move it around. But that's, again, that's the... That's the... (laughs) That's the cap reason why this is a stupid idea. Here's why it's another stupid why would the Browns sell low on Deshaun Watson now? Why would the Browns want Daniel Jones? Yes, like yes, yes. Why and giving up a second round pick. You're gonna give up Deshaun Watson. So you give up arguably the guy with the most upside in the trade, as far fetched as getting that upside might be for some people. And maybe the best asset in the trade of a second round pick for a guy who is honestly not fit to being a starting quarterback. Like he oh well you know if you're the if you're the if you're the Giants you get uh you, you get a guy with a high upside in Deshaun maybe a franchise quarterback who can help you contend in the NFC East and that second round draft pick if you're the Browns you get Kaka I What do you really get if you're that? Look, I love DTR. I I think he's got some talent there. But did he not watch DTR this year? I just guys I understand some of us might some of you might be thirsty to move on from Deshaun Watson if you're so thirsty that that sounded like a good idea for the Cleveland Browns, um, maybe it's time to go see like, a like just, just get healthier. Is what I'm going to say. Maybe that's a nicer way to put it. Um, Daniel Jones is, I don't think Daniel Jones will be a starter in two years in the NFL. He might not be a starter this year in the NFL, but from the Brown side of things. And and I, and I tried to lay it out in the break, there is the Browns aren't going to do this because of the contract which is the thing that ends the conversation Uh, in terms of from their standpoint of doing as dumb of a deal as this is. Here's the other thing that I don't get. We're two years in on this, and I get this deal is not worked out for what you paid for him and what you literally pay him to this point. Why do people think the Browns are desperate to give up on Deshaun Watson and, and to close the book on this trade? Because I would venture, when there's no financial incentive to do so, when you still aren't done paying the other team that you gave, you, you, they, they have your, what is it, 23rd pick in the NFL draft this year, yep. the Houston Texans. I don't think people realize, like, yeah, okay, sometimes teams are willing to, we, hey, we made a mistake, the egg's on our face. That's not what this is. Guys, this is a, this is the Titanic. If If it doesn't go well, this is the Titanic. So you're going down with a ship, all right? And what I mean by that is, because I don't think it's fate accompli. We're going; the ship is going down. I, I, I don't think the iceberg is is right in your path, and you can't steer out of the way. I, I think that the health concerns scare me a little bit. Yeah, they should. It's a shoulder injury, a throwing shoulder to a to a quarterback. This could have happened to literally any quarterback you traded this kind of money for and this kind of draft collateral to. But guys, do you think the Browns feel like to themselves, hey? We're ready to take that PR hit that would happen. It would be immediately, the second you move on from this trade, and so maybe this is deferring. (laughs) It's like what's kicking the can down the road financially on the contract. The second that you bail on Deshaun or any quarterback of his ilk that this exact thing has transpired for, the second you do, it becomes the worst trade in the history of the NFL. That's different than you as a Browns fan feeling that that's what it is right now. So I would venture to say there are people, and I guarantee, guys, they're lining up this offseason to be this. this. They're dead set on making this work because they know how bad and historic this would be if it doesn't work. They understand how... A lot of the times we overblow this, guys. They gave up six top 100 picks... 230 million guaranteed, the first fully guaranteed 200 plus million dollar contract in the history of the NFL, and it doesn't work out, it will be the thing that people point to for the next 20 years at why you don't make big swings. And by the way, it doesn't mean that's actually a right ideology. But like, what we're really talking about here is he played six games poorly two years ago. Yeah, he only had six games to prove himself. This year, you can write it off. So two years ago, you can write it off as he only played six games. And and those were the first six games in 700 days. This year, you can write it off as he played five games. Well, he played six games, but he really only played in five games. And then he got hurt. You can write those things off. If you just decide right now today, eh, you know what, leap it. It's not going to work out. Fatalistic. Let's eat the final three years of this contract. Guys, there's no writing that off. And it's so funny to me how the NFL has been so disingenuous, and guys like Tannenbaum are at the face of this, Daryl, that they've been so disingenuous about what a calamitous thing this was and how dare they give this contract to this player, and they're the first ones that think the Browns should want to cut bait. They should know the historical significance if the Browns wave the white flag on this trade tomorrow. And that, to me, is why even beyond the money – the, the mere mention of this trade is the dumbest thing I've ever heard.
2: They can't move on from Deshaun Watson, even if they wanted to move on from Deshaun Watson. That's what blows my mind about the whole scenario. You're a former NFL GM, two-time over, okay? And I just feel like, yeah, if, if you're going to throw stuff out there, you have a responsibility to I don't know. Put something out there that's remotely feasible. Like this isn't even doable. That you wanted. Would you like me to tell you, Nick, when the Cleveland Browns can get out of Deshaun Watson's contract? Sure. Are you ready for it? I'm ready, ready for it. Twenty twenty seven. That's when they can get out of Deshaun Watson's contract. I technically. They could get out of Deshaun Watson's contract in 2026, but they got to swallow a 73 million dollar dead cap hit.
1: Actually, technically, they get it out tomorrow. They would just have to have what what they cap just, hit? They, they just wouldn't feel the football team this
2: fall. <laughs> Two hundred million dollars would and, be the dead cap, and hit. that's a
1: lot. You see, you're right.
2: Uh, I, um, yeah. Okay, I'm just making sure. For translating for the people out there. That's about 75% of the salary cap for 2024. That sounds like a lot. Like, what are we doing? Like, I understand. You want to have... You want to spur discussion. You want to throw ideas out. Fine. But be responsible, especially as a former NFL executive uh, who has a prominent position on the four-letter network and throw stuff out there that's actually tangible and realistic. Don't just, like... Throw something out there that has no idea of happening and
1: then give yourself a victory lap by, you know, reposting it a bunch of times on your Twitter account. And here's the thing. I don't even think the Browns are going to move on from him in 2026 when they can. For every reason you and I have both talked about. At some point, it's money matters in this case because right. of the guaranteed money. At some point, yes, yeah, some things are more than money. The Browns made this trade to change – the optics of this organization to, to to make this organization taken seriously. Would you like to know his cap hit next year? Real quick, if they get rid of him. Real quick, but they made 100, this 137 million. Real quick, they made this move for people to to talk about them and think about them differently. And so this any idea well, that, that they, was accomplished. That, well, any idea that they would want to move on from them now, before any chance that Deshaun legitimately has to at least. I mean, you gotta give them. You got guys getting the next three years, not not you and me, not the fans, but they do. And so, it beyond just money. Like this is the the stake of how people think about the organization will be tarnished if the Browns don't do everything to make the deal work. And I guarantee you, Mike Tannenbaum has had some uh, has never had anything similar to what we're talking about. And that's what makes it so impossible to get your head around is, let alone from the cap standpoint, 5% of GMs ever have to deal with this kind of thing. But then when you get to what it means for how you are perceived as an organization and whether people want to come with you, whether people want to come to you, whether people want to go ahead and do business with you, guys, they can't bail before it becomes absolutely necessary to bail.
2: The, the boat has to be literally under the water.
1: <laughs> yeah, it has to be under the water, at broken in half, at two different places of the Atlantic Ocean. Right. And we're not there. Guys, we hadn't even hit the iceberg yet, okay? It's looming, but haven't hit it's it yet. Out It's out there. That shoulder could have been the iceberg. We don't know. I heard something. Was that a scraping sound that I heard? But I don't know. Don, welcome to the show. What you got for us, buddy?
0: Hey, man. um, I was actually, personally, I would trade for maybe Justin Fields.
1: What would you do with Deshaun Watson?
0: I would see if maybe the Bears would want him or maybe some of that contract.
1: Don, I appreciate the call. I will say with love and respect, if I had the the Shawn Michaels kick in the face thing, I would have played it there. Um, no, let's just not do that. I, don't, I Don was on hold for the entirety of the second half of that last segment and the entirety of this segment. He was the one I was preaching to. He was the one. I was preaching the gospel right to Don, and here we are.